BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Ken Show, John Cobell, and Ken Shampoo, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. All right, in case you uh, missed the breaking news last hour, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti's nomination to be the next ambassador to India has been put on hold by United States Senator Chuck Grassley, who has heard from the whistleblowers that Garcetti uh, may have lied when he said he had no knowledge of nor witnessed any sex harassment by his former aide, Rick Jacob, so yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's our response. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hopefully this derails your entire political future since you really screwed up L.A. <laughs> that's right. Even Kamala's laughing at him. Uh, so the latest on Russia, Ukraine, Russian forces have moved three miles closer to Kiev. So I guess they're getting out of the mud. I saw a long story in the Washington Post, what you were talking about the other day, is that they really did a lot of flooding the Ukrainians so they can make the roads or whatever they're using to make their way into Kiev. Well, they're, they're unpaved. Really difficult to, uh, with their big tanks and all their equipment. A lot of the roads are unpaved. And yeah, it's just a lot of dirt paths. And yeah, and at this time of year, there's a lot of rain or snow that melted. I mean, they got a real bad cold snap. It was supposed to go down at 20 below. Right. Uh, so it, it's really bad weather. And it's, uh, you know, they, Ukraine doesn't have a whole lot of money. You know, they, they uh, pave their roads like L.A. does. Yeah. So they, uh, they got these reservoirs, and they just released, uh, I guess, the flood the, the flood channel. I, I don't know what you even call it, but they released the water out of the reservoirs, and it flooded the area. And so the tanks were and the supply trucks mostly were literally uh, sinking in the mud. The bombing of that uh, hospital complex with the maternity ward, which results in three deaths, including a child— the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, said the hospital was empty of patients. It was being used as an extremist base. We had every right to bomb it. There you go. And uh, the average uh, Russian at home, Igor, is uh, sitting, yeah. He's gobbling Damn that right. up. That's right. Drinking his yep. Russian beer and, uh, you know, kissing his uh, the Putin portrait. However, there was another chapter. Later, Russia denied responsibility for the hospital bombing and claim the attack was staged to make the Kremlin look bad. Oh, so they have two competing stories. Yes, this one was according is... to Defense Ministry spokesman Major General Igor Konashenkov. Konashenkov, it is Igor. Konashenkov. <laughs> he said the strike didn't happen. 
Right. He claimed that the two explosions that ravaged the building were caused by explosive devices planted nearby, a stage provocation right. to incite anti-Russian agitation so, in the West. So first, we How did it. How about that? We did it. We had a good reason. And then it was, well, we didn't do it. Yes. <laughs> we, you could do And I think, didn't, the, uh, didn't Saddam Hussein's Iraqi Baghdad Bob do that sometimes too. Gave out two competing explanations. Yeah. Just pick which yeah. one you want. Sure, it's it's all about creating confusion, so that people who, if the for the, the the first rule of propaganda is to get people to believe it, right? Yes. But if you think it's not working, you throw out multiple stories, and then people get confused and frustrated. And throw it's like up, a defense lawyer. Yeah, they throw up <laughs> your hands and you say, "I don't know what to believe. I don't care anymore." You're defending a murderer who clearly did it, but you right. throw out theories B and C. Damn, yeah. maybe the jury will uh, glom right. onto one. Right. So look at the look at the people who do this. You you have you have government spokesholes do this. You you have defense lawyers that do this. Uh, you know, corporations do this all the time with their official statements. P- you know, politicians. I mean, this is the whole public sphere that we we live in, where people in public lie like hell, and they have good reason to because they'll profit in some way, and it works. Now. There is something else they're doing for propaganda. Uh, you may have seen this. It's probably trending on social media. The Russian people are wearing the letter Z, which apparently is a pro-war symbol associated with the Russian military. In fact, a group of terminally ill Russian children were forced to stand outside in the snow in a Z formation. Oh, my God. For, oh. for purposes of spreading. No. There are Zs are appearing everywhere along over Russia. Terminally ill Russian children forced to stand in the cold to wear the Z. Yes, in a Z formation. So they were like the letter Z standing there. Well, couldn't get they it? get at least healthy? So the overhead Russian? shot looked impressive. Couldn't they get healthy Russian children? Uh, <laughs> Not even uh, like mildly sick? They had to get terminally ill? Because that's how much they believe in their country. Oh my God! That is they would so... stand outside in the cold and pose. Oh. Wow! Sometimes these stories are so crazy. I wonder if I'm being the victim of propaganda <laughs> on the other side. You see, I I don't believe yeah. anything anymore. I think everything gets just blown blown up and exaggerated. Wow! Uh, yeah, Vladimir uh... Vladimir Vladimir Velilov. Is it all Vladimir Igor's? Yes, that's and Dmitri's Sergei's Sergei. Dmitri, right? Um. This guy is chairman of a cancer charity. He said he snapped a startling photo of the sick children on a drone and shared it with the hospital's website. Our patients and entire team took part of it. About 60 people in total. People lined up to form the letter Z. They, that, there is no Z in the Russian alphabet. Oh, well, there is now because that's what, it's, that's what it looks like. Maybe I mean, it doesn't have to be an alphabet. It's just a symbol to indicate support for the Russian military. Like we would... We, we, like, we could use a symbol. Like, what? like hashtag is not a letter. Like the Nazi swastika? Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the New York Times did a story about how Russian TV is portraying the war. I'd have to say my favorite, and this is shades of what we were just talking about with the hospital in Ukraine that got bombed. Uh, a woman who survived a blast at her apartment building became the focus of disinformation efforts after her bloodied and bandaged photograph spread through newspapers and Western media. The woman was a resident of an apartment complex in a place called Chuvif, which is near Kharkiv. I think everybody's seen the picture of this woman. She's uh, the elderly woman with the babushka on her head and a bloody face. You sure it's not a bandage or is that a babushka? 
it looked to me like a babushka, but maybe it's a bandage. Russian social media channels falsely described her as a member of Ukraine's psychological operations unit. Basically, she's a crisis actor. You know how some people in this country thought that the mass shootings were nothing sure. but actors pretending they were shot? Oh, yeah. No, I know. We, we've got all this crap going on in this country, too. Yeah, they, they took something out of our conspiracy playbook here. Yeah, it, it, it all works. Yeah. You, you, you know, the blood what? could be grape juice, and the woman could be part of the territorial sure. defense. Isn't that like the crap you read on Facebook, though? Well, you know, it could be grape juice. And we have photos. They, they have a photo of a woman who looks vaguely like her. And then they say, see, see, she, she's actually an operative. They told their people that when that nuclear facility caught fire last week, that nuclear complex, that they actually did it. They were protecting the nuclear plant. Mm-hmm. Basically, what they do is they say the Ukrainians are doing this. They're oh. trying to set us up to look bad. We're trying to save people in that country because it's the- they're being uh, exterminated. And then there's the Nazi card. Whatever the truth is, say the opposite. And then amplify it and make it more outrageous. Add the word Nazi. They've got... The Nazis play well in Russia because, remember, they they were right on the edge there in World War II being taken over. That was one of Russia's finest moments. They they beat back the Nazis when the Nazis went too far to the east. Right. Yeah, that uh, Hitler. Hitler got uh, too crazy. That was the last big piece for uh, for Hitler. Once he got he got Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was his uh, great mistake. Right. So and, a lot of uh, Russians were killed. So the you know the Russian government was living off that for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it seems to be there are two tactics: either the Ukrainians did it, like it's a false flag operation, or we had a good reason to do it, or the Ukrainians are using crisis actors to make it look like something violent happened, but they're all fakes. Mm-hmm. This has become a whole new world, you know? And it kind of started years ago with Trump with the fake news thing. Well, it, it the, the, the politicians and these governments and also the, uh, like the Facebook executives and the Twitter executives, they all figured out how to hack brains and how to use a certain kind of language be quite repetitive, quite forceful. And if you, I I mean, I know somebody who actually was following the war and they said, gee, do you think it's possible that we are actually doing the chemical warfare there? And it's like, you see how it works? You start hearing that in the news over and over and over and you start going, well, you know, maybe it could be possible. It's like, yeah, anything's possible. But you're getting victimized now by the propaganda because you've heard it so many times. I, I've, I've read books on this. I've got a great fascination with how the human brain works. And and Malcolm Gladwell wrote, wrote a book on this too. And and because most of what you experience every day is truthful, right? You wake up in the morning, you turn on the news, and the weatherman says, hey, it's 68 right now and it's sunny. And you look outside, hey, it's 68 and sunny. And uh, your wife says, oh, well, the coffee is in the uh, right-hand cabinet. I put it there. And you open up, it's in the right-hand cabinet, right? And, and on and on and on. Most of the stuff you hear every day in your daily interactions is truthful. So your default setting for your brain is, since, since you were born, was, oh, when somebody says something, it's true, right? Like in school, right? They taught you the colors. Blue is blue. Green was green. One is one. Two is two, right? They, yeah. they didn't lie to you about this. So that, that's your default setting. It takes a lot to override that default setting. And so people, especially if it comes from an official source that you used to trust and maybe you're emotionally invested in. 
All right, we'll have more on Ukraine-Russia. When we come back, there's a woman that wrote a column or an article for Atlantic that she watched Russian TV. It's a, it's a Russian woman named Olga. It's a, now, you, John, Olga. go through all the common female names. <laughs> Olga, meet Igor. Igor, <laughs> Olga. <laughs> Sergey? Sergey. <laughs> uh, so uh, she gave <laughs> some insights. right. And, well, I thought Savannah was Ukrainian. Uh, probably the same thing. Uh, Vladimir. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll talk about what she learned watching the Russian television coverage of the war in Ukraine, but basically they're acting like uh, they're liberators. For more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show, John Cobelt, Ken Shampo, KFI, AM 640 Live, everywhere in the iHeartRadio app. Well, speaking of Russians and communists, coming up after 3.30, you're not going to believe this story out of San Diego. It was first reported by Voice of San Diego. Apparently, a state agency went into a preschool like a daycare center and interrogated two- and three-year-olds about mask wearing. It's a true story. It happened in January. Mm. We'll bring you the details. Parents were very upset when they learned this was the case. Uh, is this now, again, Moscow or San Diego, you said? Which San Diego. San Diego. Happens. That's a good game to play. You know what? Compare the oppression in, in Russia to the oppression in California. See if people can guess the right city. The Aspen Leaf Preschool is where it happened. Several mm. parents uh, told reporters about the story, and we'll bring you the details. We, yeah, two-year-olds are wandering around without masks and they were the separated they were separated from the teachers and adults at the school so they could really get their true story bring them in for questioning <laughs> um a woman by the name of Olga Kazan oh, has written, uh, written an article for for the Atlantic I watched Russian TV so you don't have to the subline is according to Russian state TV Putin is the good guy many Russians believe it Russia's version is like this. The Russians are liberators. <clears throat> Ukrainians are Nazis. The West is full of mendacious hypocrites. My favorite is that they tried to show on one of these talk shows, on one of the channels, that there was anti-Russian sentiment in the West. And as proof, they showed an empty photo of the Russian tea room in New York City. Nobody was there. You've heard of the Russian tea room in Oh, Manhattan? I went there once, yeah. Yeah, that's their proof that people are prejudiced against Russians. No they, one's in the tea room. They, they, they used really a photo funny. when it was closed and said, look. Or even so, maybe with the pandemic, it's not, you know, hot business. Uh, I don't know when the photo was taken, but that was their propaganda. Yeah, that's uh, that's how you do it. Because what's, uh, what's some uh, loser in St. Petersburg? What's he going to know the difference? She says that everywhere you look, uh, the people, the walls and the floors are decked out with that Z we just talked about. Russian troops painted on their tanks. She said, I saw it used to mean Zapodbedu for victory or Zamir for peace, even though that's not how you write the letter Z in Russian. Uh, I heard references to Ukraine being cleaned out and brought to order. Ukrainians will only understand the truth about their country once it's liberated. This is what they're saying on state-run television in Russian. This is what the Russians are gobbling up. She writes that the penalty for dissent is great, so the talk show guests are in constant agreement. They nevertheless frequently end up yelling, spitting twisty consonants at one another until the host introduces a new way in which the government line is correct. On March 1st, she tuned into a channel, which supposedly is the most influential state-run channel, and it was an on-the-ground report from Ukraine. There was a woman saying in Russia, we've been waiting for you for years. 
as in she'd been waiting for the Russians to invade. The reporter then interviewed Ukrainian fighters who supposedly given up. The soldiers, the Russian captors were shown being nice to them, giving them cigarettes and hot food and letting them call their moms. Now, we're also seeing this on the other side. Have you seen the Ukrainians are letting the Russians talk to their moms? Have you seen that? Yes. They're doing the same thing. They're making videos of Russian soldiers saying, I don't know why I'm here. Oh, this is terrible. I didn't know we were going to kill people. To the uh, extent that Russian TV shows casualties, they attribute them to the Ukrainians, who, according to Russia State TV, are using them as human shields and prevent their own citizens from fleeing through humanitarian corridors. So let me get this straight. Ukrainians are preventing their own people from going through the humanitarian corridors. That's kind of how they're portraying everything. Ukrainians are attacking their own hospitals and buildings because mm -hmm. they want to make it yeah. look like we did it. And now Ukrainians are preventing their own people from evacuating so they can make it look like we did it. An attack on British journalists outside Kiev was blamed on Ukrainians too. Actually, it was Russian hit squads. Uh, oh, they played up a clip of Lindsey Graham. Remember the other day he called yes. for Putin's assassin? Oh, they went big on that one. <laughs> imagine what would happen if we suggested killing Biden, said one panelist on a talk show. Can you imagine what would be? Most Russians still support the war. Only 3% blame Putin for it. Well, well are it you looks like that possibility's got little chance then that the Russian people will rise up. It's not going to happen. No, no, it would have to be somebody in the uh it will in have the to cabinet, be in the inner circle, right? Or in the military. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, they won on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, the line is the invasion. The Russians are not the aggressors. Uh, the Ukrainians are they're they're doing their own genocide because, as you know, there there have been, and that's a part that plays well for them. That part of eastern Ukraine has Russian separatists who have been fighting with Ukrainians for years. So. They like to portray that angle that we're helping those people avoid being killed by the Ukrainian army. We're liberators. That's their big line. Yeah. And if and what they've done is they've shut down social media, and uh, it they've shut down all the outside feeds. Like you can't get the BBC or any American news channels or Sky News or anything that might ordinarily leak into Russia. That's all been shut down. Right. And uh, I heard today that Twitter has done a workaround, but it's it's difficult to access anyway. If you go on the dark web, you know, the evil dark web where they sell children into sex slavery <laughs> and you buy you buy drugs and weapons, things like that. There's an access to Twitter on the dark web. So probably a few tech geeks will be able to access the truth. Well, they've supposedly arrested thousands for protesting, so some mm -hmm. people are rising up. But if this is what people are being fed every day on Russian uh, yeah. state-controlled um, well, television. Plus, those people never come back home, and word gets around. <laughs> yeah, what, what happened to Dimitri? Uh, he was at a protest. <laughs> All right, we got more coming up. Never saw again. John and Ken Show, John Cobalt, Ken Shampo. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 7.9% was the ugly inflation number for February. We'll be joined by Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI, where you're going to see the ramifications of this in many different parts of the economy. We'll check in with our vice president in Poland, John. I, did you hear from any relatives there about her visit? <laughs> Is it a big story no, there? Uh, 
Uh, I don't know. I thought you followed Polish news. Isn't one I, your sons, I, uh, <laughs> fascinated by Polish news? Or? I'm sure it is a big story. Anyway, we've I'm got sure some... I'm sure uh, the Polish are horrified. She did some more giggling, and apparently she did some more word she, saladed. She, she, we may have to make a Kamala Harris desk. I'm seriously considering it. She finds giggling in everything. No matter how tragic the story, she finds a chuckle. I, and I, I'm going to come to her defense, but we'll get into that All right. next hour. Wow, there's a tease. Um, A bunch of listeners sent us this story. It is a great one from Voice of San Diego. The headline, a state agency conducted mask raids and interviewed preschoolers alone. This is almost hard to believe that they took this this seriously. They sent in their special investigators with their clipboards to sit down two, three and four year olds to interrogate them about the mask wearing policies at the preschool. That's exactly what happened. Stephanie and Richard Rosado recently told their four-year-old son about the importance of not talking to strangers. Well, days later, state regulators came to the kid's preschool, isolated him in a room away from his teachers and friends, and asked him questions about masking. His parents and many others at the preschool were furious. They questioned the son as part of an investigation into masking practices at Aspen Leaf Preschool which operates three locations in San Diego. All three locations were simultaneously, and it's in quotes, raided, as some parents have called it. Raided. Regulators separated the children and toddlers from uh, familiar adults at each of the centers to ask questions about the preschool's masking policies. Now, you may say, why? Apparently, this preschool made the decision that the kids aren't going to be masked. And they made the decision because... They decided the kids, they're this, they're this young. They need to nap. They need to eat. They can't wear masks while doing that. Forget the masks. A lot and of apparently got these regulators so worked up, they decided to send in an investigative team. A lot of, a lot of uh, preschool is napping and eating. Well, so, yes, so the thinking basic. was, since they have the masks off a great percentage of the time anyway, what's, what's right? there, there's obviously no benefit. We're putting it on in for short yeah. periods of time. If I mean, first of all, preschool, you're only there a couple hours, right? Maybe three yeah. hours? Is that and, how long it is? Right. Yeah. yeah. You'll probably spend half that time, you're right, napping and eating. And so, and, and, and the number of, of toddlers who uh, were seriously affected by the, the virus is so tiny, you could not see it with an electron microscope. So the California Department of Social Services and its child care licensing program, that's who conducted this these raids. child services how, how, how many children are they have they allowed to die in the hands of abusive families how many cases have we covered well where, that's where, that's where, la county right I, it's all the same it's all the same yeah. and kids get dropped on their heads repeatedly this is and, the child care licensing program it's all the same people so the same they do mentality. have the authority to interview children in isolated settings but many parents believe that that should only be done in extreme cases like in an, in an allegation of child abuse at the daycare, that that would make sense. But over masking, they thought this yeah. was crazy yeah, and over is. the top. Yeah, it, it's it's just fanaticism. I mean, if we heard this happening in Russia, that they were or in communist China, that that they had officials barging into uh, toddler preschools and questioning two-year-olds about masking policies, we'd all be horrified and say, "Oh, well, what do you expect?" a communist oppressive society right so but aspen leaf this, this did is close. san diego yeah 
When the pandemic began in March, two years ago, they did close briefly, but they reopened in June and they said, forget it, no masks. For the reasons we just told you, that the kids are sleeping and eating a lot of the time, they'd give each other COVID-19 no matter what, because there's just so much exposure time in that, they can't wear the masks while they're eating and napping. Anyway, Howard Wu is part owner of Aspen Leaf, and he's also a lawyer. And he thinks that the state's child care licensing department doesn't have authority to enforce a mask mandate. He says because of a technicality. He says um, in order to enforce a regulation, the agency must issue a regulation. So far, the child care licensing department did not issue regulations on masks. He says it's the California Department of Public Health that has the mask requirement. Had they come to enforce the mask mandate, he probably would have complied. Well, these these regulators should have been physically thrown out of the school. That's what Howard Wu should have had his staff do. Wrap your arms around these. Uh, Carry the, them out nude? Just throw them out in the street. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to submit to the government oppressors to interview your two-year-old isolated from other adults. I mean, even a two-year-old has the right to a lawyer. So that, that, what that, happened? That, 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 that is such a huge violation. And where are the names of the people from this Department of Social Services? The where, child care licensing department it is. Where, where is, but where, where are the names of these people? What are the names of the people who came in and terrorized these children? Who's the supervisor? Who, who signed the order? Apparently a parent complained. You see, they haven't had mass since last June, right? But then when we had the Omicron surge, some parent got really nervous, at least one. It doesn't say how many. And that's what sent them in there. They went in there in December and they saw that the kids weren't wearing masks and nothing was really made of it. But then suddenly they came back in January and they decided to separate the kids and interview them. It's kind of weird. What's the name of the organization again? I'm going to quickly look it up here. See, see who's in charge. Uh, all right, it's a, it's a division of the California Department of Social Services, and it's called Child Care Licensing. Child so it's care. the California Department of Social Services, and within that, it's Child Care Licensing. That's what it says here. Child Care Licensing investigators are the ones that came to the, uh, to the preschool. And obviously, because it falls under the category of that kind of business, that would be their job. Remember they told us when they started putting out all these executive orders and mandates that we will send state inspectors. It was usually with the restaurants where we heard. But yeah. the problem is if a parent complains, I, I guess they feel obligated to respond. I don't know. Well, they ought to be investigated and uh, people should be fired and maybe they should be taken to court. They did get a type A citation. A type A <laughs> sounds like hepatitis. The most severe violation type. That's the most severe violation? Yeah, Aspen not, Leaf reversed its policy. They didn't want to get shut down. Not, oh, really? Now, the whole mask requirement so, ends on March 11th anyway, which is tomorrow. So, so sexual abuse wouldn't be the most severe violation, but uh, not masking the kids. Well, maybe that's a different, uh, that's a type B. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, yeah, yeah, type A. I don't know. Wow, what. this is interesting. I can't find the name of anybody who works for this. I, I'm on the website, and I you can't. You found child care licensing? Yes, Oh. Yeah, they they uh, uh, yeah, I have the child care licensing page of the California Department of Social Services, but they don't and, have any responsible individuals named. Uh, I'm looking. Like, um, the, if they, nobody if heads are, the child care licensing department. No, this or? is what they do: is they hide behind a website, and uh, they have a contact phone number, and they got an address in Sacramento, yeah. and they've got an email address. But boy, oh boy, I'm looking for staff. 
Uh, I'm looking for, you know, board of directors, uh, you know, supervisors, anything. And uh, not not finding a single name in this organization. Wait, this, this is just classic oppression, isn't it? There's, there's nobody to complain to, nobody to appeal to. I bet you no one answers the phone, and I bet you nobody responds to the emails. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show, John Cobell and Ken Shampoo, KFI AM640. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, even in Russia. Dad, we may have some people. I, I, that... I, I have a feeling we're blocked there, just a guess. Yeah, wasn't that what they call it, geofencing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're geofenced out of Moscow. Coming up after 4 o'clock, gas prices, the new inflation report, 7.9% for February. This could have ramifications in many areas of the economy. Alex Stone will be on. I tell you, these days, you do not want to be a landlord, a building owner. Oh. Holy mackerel. The th- Two of the three biggest boobs on the L.A. City Council, Mike Bonin, who last we heard is not running for re-election, thank God, and Nithya Raman, have banded together with somebody named Marquise Harris-Dawson to introduce a whole bunch of, quote, renter protection measures, which they think will help ease the homelessness mm. problem. Again, they think it's all about housing, not about <laughs> addiction and mental illness. That doesn't enter the picture. He lives in his own alternate reality. <laughs> you know, I don't even think this is propaganda. I think he really believes this crap. Get this. It would prohibit screening prospective tenants on the basis of their criminal eviction or credit histories. Landlords would also be required to publicly display uniform rental criteria before renters pay any application fees. So, in other words, you don't know what you're getting if you're a landlord and someone comes in and says, hey, I'd like to rent one of your uh, properties. Well, uh, let's find out a little bit about you. No, you're not allowed. No credit history. Hand over the lease. I'll sign it. No way. By the way, you can't evict me ever. Yeah. So you can't find out if if they've been evicted before. You can't find out about their credit histories. You can't find out about the criminal record. It's like, well, then, you know what? If you're actually enforcing that law, then uh, here, you can have this house. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would never get into that game. I would ever. get out of the business. I think this is going to have a real damaging effect on, on people who, who uh, buy real estate and rent, at least yeah. in the city of Los Angeles. You've yeah. got to be out of your mind. If, if this passes, just sell it. Sell your place. Because this is so. crazy. I mean, again, this is, this is uh, oppressive uh, communist tactics. The, the, Bonin, you, oh, this will make it easier for homeless people to find housing. Yeah, I'm sure a credit check is all that kept the crazy guy in the street corner from getting an apartment. <laughs> And and where the is, guy that's squatting and taking a dump on the corner? Where's that's home? right? He's always been held back because you keep looking at his job history <laughs> or yeah. his prison records. The guy, the guy running around without pants, snorting meth. Yeah, it's that simple. Wow, this crowd never gives up, and they are no. so damn stupid. Yeah, they really are. They really <laughs> hang on to the tenets of their core beliefs, which are just ridiculous. I, I it, it's it's so shocking. And, and, and they're worried about people that are released from prison too. That's right. right? So, so people's I, criminal history is, is is holding them back from finding housing so I have, because I have to take, once a landlord finds out you have a criminal past, they might not want to rent to you. Right. So if I'm, well, that's their prerogative. If I'm living, uh, if I'm living in a duplex and I rent out the other half of it, I, I've got to rent it out to criminals. 
I mean, even if they murdered you won't people, know. I, the problem is you, you wouldn't, wouldn't know. know. And I can't remember like, they did this with the job applications a few years ago, and we screamed about that. Yeah, but I bet you people are working around that because you you can go online for one of those uh, uh, people search Plus, websites, you know, and you it's find probably hard. It's probably easier to fire somebody than to you just try evicting a tenant. Tenants oh, have a lot of protections, particularly in this state, in this in the city of LA. It's virtually, and it has been during the lockdown. It's been virtually impossible because I know I know a few people who's oh who's, the eviction ban, right? Yeah, they, they can't evict, and and the tenants they have uh, two cases I know of. Uh, these people have plenty of money. They didn't lose any money during the lockdown. They kept working, and they just stopped paying their rent because they didn't have to pay their rent. Look at this. A separate motion would prohibit asking about a prospective tenant's failure to pay rent or utility bills during the pandemic. It would also prohibit landlords or their agents from using credit checks or asking about someone's credit or eviction history. Wow. When are they going to carry this over to when people are buying houses? Is that what's next? You, you can't look up anything on anybody who wants to? <laughs> yeah, well, what they want to do is make it so there are no consequences for bad or irresponsible behavior. behavior no exactly. consequences. That's that it right. doesn't matter anymore if you have screwed over uh, many companies or people in the past by not paying your rent, not paying your bills, borrowing money, and not making the loan payments. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of felonies yeah. you have on your record. If you're a grifter, who cares, right? Yeah. This is what you do for a living. You dupe people so you can get free rent, and uh, no one's allowed to find out that you did that. That's, that's our future. And by the way, if you ever get caught for anything, we're not sending you to prison or jail anyway. There's no bail. There's no nothing. Again, there's no, going to be no consequences for any bad right. behavior anymore. There's no any civil- criminal behavior. No civilization. See, it's about undermining civilization. They, they have like the hundreds of these ideas. And in the end, <laughs> it would be utter chaos. All right. When we return, we'll be talking to Alex Stone, ABC News, for KFI. He's got a report coming up about the inflation and the gas prices and how it all could affect you, particularly if you're looking to get food delivered or you're looking to get an Uber ride. More coming up. John and Ken show. Deborah Mark has the news. KFI AM 640. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 